34, sorry, Psalm 34, and uh, looking at one verse together tonight, and uh, we're going to use our Bible, so I hope you have yours. If you don't, there's one under your pew or in front of you in the pew, and I want to encourage you to get it out and look at this verse and look at some other verses with me tonight. Psalm 34 and uh, verse number 8, when you found it, if you would, stand with me out of respect for the reading of God's Word. Psalm 34, verse number 8, and I'm going to ask if we could uh, to read this in unison together. The Bible says in Psalm 34, in verse number 8, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. Father, I pray as we look in Your Word tonight that You'd help us have ready hearts, open hearts, Lord, to both hear and to heed all that your Spirit would have for us. Lord, I pray, speak to my heart. Speak to our hearts. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, when you think about this verse, or you say this verse, I tell you, the Psalms just have a way of painting a picture, don't they? And this verse in particular, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Boy, it paints an appetizing picture, does it not? Really, you look at this psalm, all 22 verses, and the whole psalm smacks of glorying in the greatness of our God. Look with me. You have your Bibles open in verse number 1. David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Really, this whole psalm is just about relishing and savoring and glorying in the greatness of our God. You know, the call to taste and see, it draws our mind to good things, does it not? It draws our mind, thinking of food, I mean, to our favorite things, to sweet things, to comfort things. You ever thought about what is going to be on the menu at the marriage supper of the Lamb? You know, what is going to be on the menu in the mansions in heaven? You know, I think all of us have the, you know what, if it's really going to be heaven, I bet they're going to serve... A Krispy Kreme, Lee's Chicken, all right, Lee's Chicken. When I was growing up, it was blueberry muffins. I mean, if it's going to be heaven, it's going to be blueberry muffins are going to be there. Now, like, I'm, you know, as, the older I get and the fatter I get, the less picky I get. I'm like, barbecue chips? I mean, I, I'm much more open. But you read this verse, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And boy, it just draws our mind to those good things. But I think an interesting note is, as beautiful as this psalm is, the content is just amazing. The context of the psalm is kind of different. The content, we could say, is appetizing, but the context, what David wrote it during was pretty agonizing. 
If you have your Bibles open, you'll see right under Psalm 34, you see an inspired title to this psalm where it says, A Psalm of David, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, who drove him away and he departed. So to give you this context, David as a young man was driven from Israel by King Saul. King Saul desired to kill David. Have you ever been like, somebody ever tried to murder you before? I could imagine that it would create circumstances in your life that were less than favorable. Right? I mean, imagine with me tonight. So David, the most powerful man in Israel, wants him dead. So David actually got so desperate that he went to his enemies. He went to the Philistines. Now, who was that famous Philistine? Oh, yeah, Goliath. Remember him? One little stone went up in the air, and the giant came tumbling down. We stopped right there to keep it PG for the kids. But David went and took his sword, cut off his head, and held his head up. Ah! I mean, it was, a, it was a pretty graphic ordeal. So David, though, got so desperate that he ran to the Philistines. And he tried to find safe harbor with the Philistines. Now, the king at that time of the Philistines wasn't really going to have much of it. If you could imagine, David wasn't really on their like top 10 people we really want to come visit uh, in a good way. And so when David found out he was in trouble there with the Philistines too, David again got so desperate, the Bible says, that he changed his behavior to act like he was insane. So they would throw him out of the Philistines' place too. Now, there have been times in my life where I wish there was like a fire alarm nearby. Pull the fire alarm. But David was so desperate that he was looking to pull the fire alarm for life. Things were not good for David. On the run from Saul. Tried to find safety in Philistia. God so bad that he had to act like he lost his mind. And yet it is precisely in that scenario. Everybody wants to kill him. He has no friends. Nowhere to go. That David looks around and says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Boy, that challenges my heart. And I want to consider a couple of things just from this one verse tonight. A couple of truths that help us keep our feet under the Lord's table, enjoying the Lord's blessing, even when the world feels like it's crashing down around us. Consider with me, first of all, tonight, the fact Say verse 8 in unison with me, if you would. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. The fact tonight is very simple. The Lord is good. Mark it down. That is a fact. The fact of the matter is God is good. Amen. That God is only good. Amen. That God is always good. Amen? God is good. Over and over again, Scripture proclaims this simple yet unchanging truth. James 1 and verse number 17 reminds us that every good and every good, every good and perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God is good. 
When you look in the, the Word of God, we find that in His creation, God is good. Amen. The Bible says in Genesis 1 and th- verse 31 that, and God saw everything that He had made, and behold, it was what, church? It was very good. You know, in God's redemption of us, you know what it, He is? He is He is good. Romans 2 and verse number 4 reminds us of that truth. Romans chapter 2, David, if you would, and verse number 4. We'll let him get it brought up, or you can grab your Bible and turn over there. Romans chapter 2 and verse number 4. Paul wrote, Or despiseth thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, knowing not that what, church, that it was the goodness of God that leadeth thee to repentance. In his redemption of us, God is good. Inseparable to his person is the fact that God is good. Psalm 84, 11 reminds us that the, uh, Psalm 84 and verse 11, that the Lord God is a sun and a shield, that the Lord will give grace and glory, that no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Church, God is good. Psalm 119, verse 68. The psalmist says, thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. You know what? God is so good that God is good to saved and to the sinner. Psalm 145 and verse 9, there the psalmist says, the Lord is what church? He is good to all. And his tender mercies are over all his works. Jesus reminds us in Matthew 5, beginning in verse 44, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Why would Jesus tell us to act like that? Well, verse 45 tells us why. That we might be the children of our Father which is in heaven. Because he makes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sendeth rain. By the way, rain is a blessing. And sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. God is good. Psalm 25 and verse number 8 reminds us as well. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he will he teach sinners in the way. God is good. It's a fact. It is a fact. Just because I don't understand doesn't mean He isn't good. God is good. Just because it doesn't feel good doesn't mean that God isn't good. God is good. You say, preacher, that's so simple. Why are you harping on that? 
Because I'm going to tell you, church, if we could just get that settled deep down in our souls, no matter what I think, no matter what plans I had, no matter how it feels in this moment, no matter whether I understand or don't understand or think I understand, no matter if I'm on the mountaintop, no matter if I'm in the valley, no matter if everybody loves me, no matter if everybody hates me, no matter if everybody is with me or everybody has abandoned me, when I'm rich, when I'm poor, when I have good health, when I've gotten a bad diagnosis in everywhere and in everything, the fact of the matter is, what church? The Lord is good. The Lord is good. We have got to get that settled deep down in our soul. And I'm going to tell you, church, that's a fact that the world needs to hear. God is good. And we need to let the world know. Sometimes Christians are some of the grumpiest people in the whole world. Oh, I can't believe what, what the government did, and I can't believe what's going on here, and I can't believe what my neighbor did, and I don't know, you see the prices at these stores, and we're just blah, 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 wine and wine and wine and wine. Why are Christians so grumpy all the time? I'm going to tell you, God is good, Amen. And we ought to let the world hear. Psalm 100, beginning in verse 4, tells us this. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts be praised. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Why do we do that? For the Lord is what, church? The Lord is good, and his mercy is everlasting. And his truth endureth to all generations. Psalm 107 and verse number 8 reminds us, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. And for his wonderful works to the children of men. Psalm 31 and verse number 19. Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. Hey, church, God is good. Amen. Amen. The Lord is good. So Psalm 34 and verse number 8, the first thing that we see is we see the simple fact And church, say it with me. What is that simple fact? The fact is, the Lord is good. You still with me tonight, church? Let's read verse number 8 in unison again together. The Bible says this. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. So we see the fact, the simple fact is that the Lord is good. But we also see the favor, the divine favor that God bestows. We see, blessed is the man. Aren't you glad for the favor of God? Aren't you glad that God looked down upon us and decided not to give us what we deserved? You know, favor is just kind of an Old Testament word for the New Testament word, grace. Aren't you grateful for the grace of God tonight? Where would we be but for the grace of God? Well, we'd be where we deserved in, in the depths of hell. That's where we'd be. We see the favor. Blessed is the man. Now think about this with me. God, as creator and sustainer of everything, serves as the foundational and functional reality for everything. I'm going to say it again. 
God as the creator and sustainer of everything serves as the foundational and functional reality for everything. In other words, we filter life through God, who he is, what he's promised. We don't filter God through life. Meaning God is good, amen, no matter what is happening around me. The fact that that nothing happens outside of his control, I'm going to tell you, that ought to bring us some peace and some confidence. Even when people do bad things around us. I love this verse in Psalm 76.10. It reminds me when I get frustrated with the world to just kind of cool my jets a little bit. The Bible says here, Surely the wrath of men shall praise thee. In other words, God is even big enough to use the wrath of men to bring glory to himself. This world is not going to thwart God's plan. God's not sitting up in heaven go, boy, I I hope they elect the right person in November. I I don't know what's going to happen if they don't. No, God is bigger than our election, amen? God is bigger than our fear. God is bigger than our turmoil. God is bigger than all of that. Surely the wrath of man shall praise thee, and the remainder of wrath thou shalt restrain. In other words, if God can't use it to glorify himself, God won't let it happen. Amen? Amen. God's big enough. He can handle it. Nothing else that happens outside of his control. And the fact that God is unchangingly good, it means it leads to unchanging favor for those who are his. If God is unchangingly good, then I don't ever have to worry about his plan for my life. His plan for my life will be unchangingly good. I love what the psalmist said in Psalm 103, verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Boy, we got a pretty good benefit package with God, didn't we? I want you to think about some of the favor that we have because God is good. Think about it this way. God has no limitations. Amen? Amen. Our God has no limitations. Psalm 32, verse 17 reminds us this. I'm sorry, not Psalm. Jeremiah 32, 17 reminds us. Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm. He says, and there is nothing too hard for thee. In case we didn't pick up on that, 10 verses later in verse 27, we see this. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Church, what's the answer to that? No. God is not limited in our lives. Amen? Amen. Now, we are limited, aren't we? We are limited. We are limited. Sometimes my good intentions don't become uh, reality. We have many factors of limitations. Time, energy. I tell you what, you talk about getting older and older and things that happen. I just like want to go to bed now. Anybody else with me? Like all I want to do is go to bed. So like I was supposed to, and I, I'm going to tell on myself, I was supposed to like my wife and I, we were going to watch a little something, and we were like 15 minutes in, and I fell asleep. And then I woke up like a half an hour later, but it wasn't like the cute wake up. It was like, oh, 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 wake up. You ever been there? It's awful. And then she looked at me, and then I fell right back asleep. 
So, so like the next day, I'm like, I'm so sorry. I, I tried. I don't really know how hard I tried. I was tired. I have the best of intentions, don't you? Amen. Yeah, I don't, I don't go out looking to let people down, but sometimes I do. I have limitations of energy. I have limitations on my time. I have limitations on my money. But guess what God doesn't have? God doesn't have limitations. Amen. So when God sets out to do good to us, guess what? He can accomplish exactly what he purposed. And I love how it works out. You want to talk about the favor of God. Think about this. Those who are trusting in him because God, God, God has no limitations. God doesn't lack, amen? Amen. So those of us who are trusting in him, we also lack nothing. Think about what the psalmist said in Psalm 23. Verse 1 is where we'll park for a second. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In other words, the psalmist David is simply saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I don't lack for anything. Why doesn't why David, the sheep, lack for anything? Because the shepherd doesn't have limitations. I love how the psalm ends, verse 5 and 6. It talks about, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest mine head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Those who trust in him lack for nothing. Even our psalm here, Psalm 34, if you have your Bible open, we're reading verse 8. Look at verse 9 and 10. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want or lack any good thing. You want to talk about favor. You want to talk about grace. You want to talk about blessed. You know why we lack nothing? Because he provides from his account, not ours. Philippians 4 and verse 19 reminds us of that. But my God shall supply all your need. According to what? According to his riches. Aren't aren't you glad it isn't your riches? I mean, I know he took five loaves and two fishes and fed 5,000, but I think if he were working with my riches, that might be the bigger miracle, amen? But it ain't my riches. He's going to supply all my need according to his riches. By the way, that's not just physical or material. That's not just money in a bank account. That is your spiritual needs. That is your emotional. That is every need you could ever experience in this life. God shall supply your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him, the psalmist says. He has no limitations. And those who trust in him lack for nothing. Think about this. He doesn't falter or fail, amen? Isaiah 40 and verse number 28. A lot of scripture tonight, but man, isn't it good to be in the Bible? I tell you, listening to Brother Money on Sunday night, every time that man speaks of people, he showed that Bible. You think of a whole people group, villages that only have three verses translated in their language. 
And you and I are sitting on the whole Bible. Amen. Boy, we're blessed. Yeah. Isaiah 40 and uh, verse number 28. Uh, I, Isaiah wrote, we'll let David get it up on the screen for us. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary, and there is no searching of his understanding. God doesn't falter. He doesn't fail. In other words, I, I, it provides blessing because his greatness provides the needed foundation and framework for me to live a stable, secure, purpose-filled, meaningful life. Think about this. What if my stability was built on anything other than God? What if my purpose was found in anything other than God? Boy, it'd make for a difficult life, would it not? But what a blessing that no matter the circumstances around me, I can have stable footing under me because the Lord is good. Blessed is the man. That trusteth in him. Hey, no matter the craziness, the darkness, the depravity around me, God has given me a, a stable light in front of me. A light for my feet. Yes. Amen. Boy, what favor. What blessing. What grace. Think of the favor. God has no limitations. Think of the favor. God never falters, neither can he fail. Think of the favor. God does not change. So think about it this way. His guarantees provide the needed confidence for me to live this life for his glory. What guarantees has God given me? Well, I think one of the beautiful guarantees we have is Romans 8, 28, where the Bible says, for we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. We see a similar uh, thought in Philippians 1 in verse number 6. And being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it in the day of Christ Jesus. You know what that means? I can have great confidence that no matter what I am going through, that God is going to bring me through it. And that because of him, I can be better for it. What are some of the other promises he gives us? Some of the other guarantees he gives us? It's time for class participation. It's a small group tonight, all right? What are some of those other guarantees? Some of those other promises that God gives us? Robert Reinberger. Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Absolutely, great peace. Boy, we have all sorts of promises about peace, don't we, Robert? Peace about those who love his law. A uh, peace that passes all understanding. Uh, Philippians 4, when we cast our care on him, we're going to look at a verse about peace from Isaiah 26 here in a little while. What a beautiful promise. Beautiful promise. Who else? Miss Marion, you had one. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Guess what that means? That means I'm never alone. And you think about who it is. You know, some people, some people travel with you, and maybe they make the journey more difficult than if you were going alone. Not our Jesus. Man, when I think of that he'll never leave us nor forsake us, I go to Romans chapter 8, and I think, you know what? If God be for us, who can be against us? And I don't really have to wonder if he's for us. Why? Because he's always with us. And because of him, we are more than conquerors. 
through him that loved us. What a beautiful promise. What confidence we can have. No matter what tries to come over us, he's already overcome it. Amen. Amen. What about that promise of our blessed hope? I mean, that blessed hope. What is our blessed hope, church? What is our blessed hope? Somebody shout it out. It is the promise, the reality that one day what? One day Jesus is coming again. Boy, what does that do for me? That keeps me looking, right? That gives me that sense of expectation. That that helps motivate me to live like I ought. Those that have that hope, John says, purify themselves even as he is pure. Why? Because he's coming again. And I want to be ready. Boy, and then just to think of the promise of heaven. The promise that one day, though nobody else may know what we've done for the Lord in this life, one day he will reward us. That not even a cup of cold water will go unrewarded by our Savior. That one day, there is coming a day where where we will be together again with those who've gone before. Think about that reunion. How many of us have somebody in heaven that we're looking forward to seeing again one day? I buy everybody in here. What a day that'll be, amen, church? Boy, since God does not change, His promises... I can take him to the bank. Blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. So we see the fact, church. What's the fact? The fact is simply what? Say it with me. The fact is that the Lord is good. What is the favor that we see? The blessing, the grace. It is what? Blessed is the man. I want us to see last. We've seen the fact. We've seen the favor. Let us tonight consider the feast. You see, we're called to taste and to see. Oh, taste and see, the Bible says. Would you read verse 8 in unison with me one more time? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. Now, it is good to know these things in principle, is it not? God's good, amen? Hey, there's great blessing in the man that knows that and trusts in him. Amen. Those things are good to know in principle. I mean, it's good to know a lot of things in principle. I know and I'm glad that in principle, uh, cars go fast. Vroom, vroom. Amen. They can get you from point A to point B. I'm I'm glad to know in principle that, that furnaces, boy, they can help heat a house. You know, sometimes on these cold Ohio nights, it's good to know that a furnace could heat a house. You want to talk about food. I mean, we're talking about taste and see that the Lord is good. Boy, I'm, I, I am, boy, I was watching something today, just a little blip of something, and man, they were, they were cooking up steak, George. Oh, it looks so good. It looks so good. And I looked at it, I'm like, man, in principle, boy, that looks really, really good. Juicy, delicious. I love it. You know, far too many of us, though, settle for simply knowing in principle that, that the Lord is good. And that blessed is the man that trusts in him. It's good to know these things in principle, but it's even better to know them practically and personally. You know how it's fine to know that cars can go fast and get you from point A to point B. But what good does that do if you leave it parked in the garage and you walk everywhere? 
I mean, it's good to know that furnaces can heat the house, but what good does it really do you if you leave it off and it's 30 degrees when you wake up in the morning? It's good to know things in principle, sure. But church, it's even better to know them practically and personally. And that's what we're invited to do. Yes, God is good. Amen. Yes, blessed is the man. But how many of us live genuinely, personally, individually, intimately, intensely knowing that God is good and that I am blessed? How many of us live that every day? We're invited to taste and to see the goodness of the Lord. Don't, don't live your life sampling God like it's a Costco sampler. I don't even know if they give those out anymore. I think they took them away this year. We'll go Sam's Club. They still do. Some of us, boy, when we need it, we'll go up to the counter and we'll be like, you know what, it's been kind of hard. And we'll, we'll, do a, we'll do a little taste. Yeah, God's pretty good. And then we'll go do our thing until we need it again. And then we'll come back and, can, can I sample one of these? You know what? Quit, quit sampling the goodness of the Lord. Just go ahead and buy into the Econo Pack. Amen? Amen. Savor the fact that the Lord is good. Fill your cup to overflowing with the reality that the Lord is good. Let it run all over you in excess. God is good, amen. It's not meant to be sampled. It's meant to be savored. You say, well, preacher, that's all well and good. How, how do I do that? How do I taste and see that the Lord is good? Really, you go to the end of the verse. We really didn't talk about it much. David put verse 8 up there again. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that cometh to church. How what it says. Blessed is the man that readeth his Bible. Well, I, the Bible does make us blessable, but that's not what the verse says here. Blessed is the man who is very prosperous. No, simply put, blessed is the man that what, church? And in case you think that, um, that maybe this was just a one-time thing, Psalm 2 in verse number 12, look what it says. Kiss the sun lest you be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that what? That... Oh, come on, you can do it better than that. Blessed are all they that... Put their trust in him. Psalm 40, verse number 4, the Bible says this. What is it? Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust. Psalm 84, verse 12. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4, we referenced it with Robert earlier. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Verse 4, trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. How do I taste and see that the Lord is good? Learn to trust him. 
Learn to rest in him, to rely on him, to look to him for wisdom, to look to him for direction, for strength, for stability, for power, for purpose. Cast your care on him. Confide in him. How do you taste and see that the Lord is good? You learn to trust Him more deeply and more completely each and every day. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of things people run to in this world, but none of them can compare with the Lord. You know, you can distract yourself very easily in our day and age with entertainment or amusement. The amount of time people spend staring at screens. The amount of time people spend scrolling through social media. The amount of time people spend watching things. It's insane. Why do we do that? I think a lot of times because it's an easy escape. But I'm going to tell you, the escape you find in entertainment and amusement can't compare with the blessing you find in Jesus. There's a lot of people who run to alcohol and drugs, a lot of people who run to relationships, a lot of people who run to money and power and prestige, but I'm going to tell you there's nothing that the world can offer that compares with the blessing you find when you taste and see that the Lord is good. I'm going to tell you the beautiful thing about this is you can't exhaust him. You can run out of things to scroll on social media. You can run out of songs to listen to. You can run out of things to watch. You can run out of money. You can, you can run out of friends. You can run out of power. You can run out of all sorts of things. But you can't exhaust him. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good couple of things and we're done. God is good. Amen. Amen. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Church, those blessings are available to you now. If you are not experiencing, tasting, and seeing the goodness and the blessing of the Lord, let me ask you, what do you need to trust him with tonight? What do you need to get right with him? What do you need to turn over to him? That blessing is available to you right now. Tonight, I pray that you would truly taste and see that the Lord is good. But it reminds us as well that not only is the blessing available now, but this benefit is always available for us in days and weeks and years to come. So here's the thing. God is good, and He is. Amen? Amen. Blessed is the man that trusts in Him, and we are. Amen? So maybe next time something comes up in our lives that knocks us off our center, that that throws us into a tizzy, that takes what we thought would be and makes it not. Maybe next time that happens. Maybe, just maybe. Since God is good, maybe we give Him the benefit of the doubt and trust Him to be who He is and trust Him to do what He has promised. This is trust. This is faith. And as John reminds us, faith is that victory that overcomes the world. One more time, church. Verse number 8 together. The Bible says, Oh, taste 
and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Standing.